you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Aren't you glad you know the name you can call on? Amen, amen, amen. Let's get into the word of the Lord tonight. Thank you for being here this on this Wednesday evening. You can be seated. Thank you so much for your faithfulness to the house of the Lord and caring enough to be in the house of the Lord on this Wednesday evening. I'm going to take your attention into the word of the Lord tonight, and we're going to go to 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 5 through 10 of 2 Peter chapter 1. Amen. Everybody all right out there tonight? Amen. Glad to see brother and sister Griffith home from Texas. Amen. Glad you made it home. Amen. Second Peter chapter 1, verse number 5. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience. And to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore? The rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, you shall never fall. Interesting wording that Peter writes in his second letter that he names after himself. Interesting way of writing. And he gives us some insight that I want to draw from tonight just to talk to us. I've been teaching, Um, last week we concluded on uh, a series, uh, we were dealing with issues of purity and holiness, and tonight, I, uh, although this this subject is is a little different, I I do want to deal with some of the basic foundational principles uh, that we must work on and we must develop into our life. As the apostle begins writing this text that we read, he says, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Add to your faith. Now, 
Faith, of course, is the most important aspect of a Christian walk. Without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. So faith is the first step in coming to God. One must first have faith. Without faith, we have no common ground. So the scripture says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. And so regardless what we are discussing, this word is the foundation of every Christian life. No matter what anybody, listen up now, I want you to get what I'm saying tonight. No matter what anybody tells you that God speaks to them, God will never speak something that he has not already spoken in his word. Somebody says, well, there's a new thing God's speaking. If it is not in agreement with the word of the Lord, it is not real. We should not add to nor take from his word. So I'm not saying God doesn't speak because I believe God speaks. He speaks to me. I believe he speaks to you. And so God has the right to speak to us. But when God speaks to us, he will never violate what he has already written. For it is written and it is forever settled in heaven. Thy word, O Lord, is truth. And it is ever, forever settled in heaven. So the word of God is the foundational principle. So we must have faith. The first step towards salvation is what? Believing. Believing is simply faith. Everything, the foundational principle of every Christian life is believing. When people say, well, tell me about salvation, and we can quickly say repent, be baptized, and receive the Holy Ghost. But if you're speaking to someone that doesn't know anything about faith, we actually just jumped ahead. So we have to begin with the foundational principle of believing. We must believe. But believing is not where salvation ends. Believing is the beginning. So if somebody comes to me and tells me, well, I've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and I am saved. Now how do you feel about that? And I'll tell them, wonderful, you believed on the Lord. That's the first step. I'm not going to criticize somebody that's believed on the Lord, but if we stop with believing alone, if we stop with found the, the foundation of faith alone, we're not growing in any other area or element of our life. So even in salvation, in salvation, if we say, well, I believe, then there must be a response to our believing. So we begin by believing, but then we must add to our believing. So if I tell you that I believe, if I say, I'll tell you what, there is going to be a storm that's going to blow through and this building is going to collapse. And that's going to happen in the next 10 minutes. 
What are you going to do? Now, I didn't say that, so don't anybody jump up and run out on me now. But if I told you that, if I said, look outside, it's looking stormy, and I just got a weather report, and there's a two-mile-wide F5 tornado coming right in on us, it appears it's going to be centered right over our church building, and it's just a few miles away. And if you believe me, what are you going to do? Say, I believe you, Pastor. I believe you. I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. You're going to run out of this building about as fast as you can, get in that car, and go the opposite direction of the storm. Because you, if you believe, you put action to it. Watch this. The Word of God says, faith without works is dead or amounts to nothing, doesn't do anything. Faith without works is words. So if you don't put any action to it, you've done nothing. So somebody says, well, I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Wonderful. What does that mean? Well, I have faith in Him. I put my faith in Him. Good. What does He say about salvation? Well, I believed on Him. That's all I have to do. That's not what the Bible says. If you truly believe, you get in the Word of God and say, I want to know what this Word tells me i got to do because I believe this Word. So we have some common some commonality now when we agree that this word is the absolute truth. If you're talking to somebody and they don't believe this word, we have nothing in common. We may as well not even discuss how to be saved because you don't believe the word of God. But if you believe the word of God, then you believe that the word of God is going to speak some things into our life that tells us how we must be saved, what we must do to be saved, what are what 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 steps do we take? Therefore, we get in the Word of God, and by study of Scripture, we find many ways that the Bible speaks to us, and it is very clear that the Lord says, you got to repent of your sins. No, 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 I believed on Him. If you believe on Him, you're going to take action with what His Word said. His Word said, do we continue in sin? Oh, I live under grace. Do we live under sin that grace may abound? God forbid. We must depart from a sinful life and walk toward a life of righteousness. And so therefore, it is a work in progress. So when somebody says, I believe on the Lord, wonderful. You will know the tree by the fruit it bears. So I want to see if that believing moves you toward trying to seek and find what God is wanting out of your life. And so, so therefore, the first thing is believing. The first thing is faith. That is the established. Without faith, it's impossible. So if somebody doesn't have faith, we've got to work on reaching the point to where we have the commonality of faith. Because without faith, it's impossible. Anything in your life is impossible without faith. But if you don't first have faith in God, if you don't believe in God, there's no reason for us to talk about anything else. So first is faith. Faith is the first step coming to God. Everything that you will receive from God in your future is going to come by one avenue. It's going to come by faith. You get that? 
At least give me a good Baptist nod tonight. Everything you receive from God comes through faith. If you don't have faith, you're not going to receive anything from God. Because most things, whether it's a spoken word, a preached word, that's why when we come to the house of God and a word is spoken, a word is preached, we hear the word of God, we often respond to that word which is an acknowledgement of, I received that word. I believe it. I take action on it. So I'm doing more than just saying, well, that was a good word. That really made a lot of sense. Okay, then what do we do with what with that word? We apply it to our life. Oh, yeah, I believed it, so I applied it when I believed it. No, you apply it when you put action to it. It's when you get up and run out because the F5 is on its way. So you get up and say, okay, I'm going to do something about the word that is speaking into my life. So everything that God has for us comes through faith. Somebody says, well, I want to see what God has for my future. You just told me you have faith that God has a future for you. And as that future unfolds, everything is by faith. You will, you will proceed in God through faith. But while faith is good, faith in of itself is not the finished product. Are you ready? Because the writer in our text declares, add to your faith. I want you to say that with me. Add to your faith. Now I want you to personalize it. Add to my faith. So the Bible is saying, add to my faith. Therefore, faith alone is not what God is looking for. That's the beginning. That's good. It's a good step. But the Lord is saying there's more than just believing. There's more than just faith. There, there's more than just saying, well, I, I hear it, I receive it, I believe it, I trust in it. Faith is the foundation, but we must grow from believing faith to trusting faith. So faith is a foundational Bible doctrine. While faith is an essential the Bible is saying, add to our faith. So the Word of God admonishes us to add to our faith the qualities in which makes the Christian life fruitful. What did our text say? Let me go back. Let me go back and just, it says all the things were to add to. It says give diligence. Pay close attention. That's what it's saying. Pay close attention to add to your faith. And what's it say to add? Virtue and, and, and knowledge and temperance and patience and godliness and brotherly kindness and charity. Then it says, if these things are in you and abound, they make you that you shall never be barren nor unfruitful. So our fruitfulness comes by adding to. We have to add to. So we must be more than faithful, we must be fruitful. Now watch this. There is a mentality that does exist. I pray it doesn't exist in, our, in any of us. However, I fear that all of us from time to time can fall into this category. Where we begin to declare the mentality of faithfulness over fruitfulness. 
Well, I'm faithful. But are you fruitful? Because the Lord is looking for more. Add to. The first thing we have to get in our life is faithful. It's faith. So we begin with the element of faith. Trusting. Believing God. Standing on His Word. So we become faithful. We become faithful to the house of God. Faithful to His Word. Consistent in daily prayer. All of these things in areas of faithfulness. Faithfulness in giving. Faithfulness in labor and work. Faithfulness in outreach. Faithful to the house of God and all the services. We become faithful in all of these areas of our life. But if faithful is all we ever become and we are not becoming fruitful, then we are missing the mark. So the Word of God is declaring to us that to be faithful is one of the foundational elements, but we must move beyond just faithful and move to being fruitful. So the old idea that, and, and believe me, I grew up singing these songs, I am determined to hold out to the end. Jesus is with me, on him I can depend. I know I have salvation for I feel it in my soul. I am determined to hold out till the end. What are you doing while you're holding out? It's good. Holding out's good. But don't get the mentality that that is all God is expecting of you. If not, we come to an altar, repent of our sins, receive the Holy Ghost. We're baptized in Jesus' name. We're not doing anything wrong, but neither are we becoming fruitful. So the Lord is looking for a fruitful life. And so that's where we're getting to tonight. So you can say, oh man, I'm solid in the doctrine. I believe this doctrine. I believe this truth. Just like a tree planted by the water, I shall not be moved. Why in the world didn't they write that song, just like a tree planted by the water, I shall not be barren? Because the Word of God is declaring to us to not be a barren tree. It's more than being anchored. We must be anchored. That is the least that God is, is desiring of us. We must be like a tree planted by the waters that we shall bring forth fruit in our season. So it's good. But understand that it's not just the faithfulness and the steadfastness, but it's also the fruitfulness. Add to your faith. So I want to take a moment tonight and let's just look through this simple text. And I know this is simple teaching tonight, but I want to look through this simple text of what the Scripture is saying here when it's telling us what we should add to. So if you're a new, new convert or a newer convert or haven't been serving God very long, you should look for these things in your life. You should start trying to, to look and say, okay, these things develop. Now, I personally have a little bitty small yard. It's like a postage stamp size yard. I can mow my yard in 20 minutes, thank God. I love summertime. It doesn't take me long to take care of my yard and I can move on. I think I can mow my yard faster than I can rake my neighbor's leaves out of my yard. So, now Brother Danny and Sister Cheryl, they have a couple fruit trees in their yard. Anybody got fruit trees in your yards? A few, see a few hands. Brother Danny's got a pear tree and an apple tree. 
they need pruned real bad. I tell him every year. Because if you'd prune that thing, it'd bring forth better fruit. Brother Danny's just ready to cut it down. It gets in his way. Here's the deal about fruit. You don't go from winter to fruit. It's a season. You know how you can tell the seasons are changing? I looked up today and I saw some buds on some trees. I'm like, holy cow, look at this. We got buds. We are buds now. <laughs> buds on the trees. Spring's coming. Before long, those buds are going to start breaking open a little bit. There'll be a little hint of green. The flowers are going to begin to break forth. And those fruit trees are going to just be covered in flowers. And then those flowers fade away as the fruit is beginning to form, but it's very small. It's inedible. It's green and not tasty at all. It doesn't have the nourishment. But give it some time, and it will grow. And the rain comes, and the tree develops, and the fruit develops. And it happens, and by the time we get into summer and move over into late summer, and before we get into fall, those pears are big, huge, huge, juicy pears. You can pick that thing. It's tasty. You can make all sorts of dishes out of it, and it's wonderful and enjoyable. The apple trees will produce, but it doesn't happen overnight. So your fruit, you don't move from believing on God to I'm producing all this right fruit. You're not mature. Don't get frustrated in that. Don't try to force that to happen. You can try to speed up the process. It's not as good. Case in point, go to most supermarkets. You know what you find? Oftentimes in the wintertime, you can go and still buy tomatoes. But they're sure not as good as those tomatoes that you pick off of that tomato vine. Here in a few months, you'll be picking ripe tomatoes, and there's nothing that tastes any better. They're wonderful. But you can take that same tomato and they put them in great big greenhouses and they force light on them and force heat on them and try to rush them to produce quicker, more quickly than they're designed. And you, they can pick that thing and let it ripen as it's being hauled in trucks and put in the supermarket. And before long, it's sold at Wendy's and I have to take them off. I love tomatoes, but I have to take them off the burger because they don't taste good. Because they were forced to ripen faster than the Lord designed them. And no matter how much human engineering goes into them, they'll never make them as good as the Lord can make. The fruit in your life, you can try to speed it up and rush it and shortcut it and find a way around it, but God will develop the fruit in your life if you will seek for it and you will begin to add to it. God doesn't do it for you. That's why the writer said, add to your faith virtue. Didn't say pray and ask God to add virtue to you. It said work on this, develop this, 
let this come into your life. But remember, it's fruit. It will begin by budding. The first thing you're going to see is a beautiful blossom and say, wow, I think I'm doing pretty good. But you're not final yet. The process is not final yet. The process is just beginning. But you can add to it. It can grow in your life and you can become more. So add to your faith virtue. Everybody say add virtue. The word virtue simply means excellent morals. That's what it means. To be virtuous. Excellent morals. Add to faith excellent morals. Now these are the things that we must add. This is what the Bible says are the fruit of the Spirit. Are you ready? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. All of those things are virtues that are called the fruit of the Spirit. They must be added to our faith. So you start serving God. Don't get caught up in thinking, well, I've been baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm living for God, and I'm saved. Wonderful. Yes, you are. We thank God for that. If that's you, we rejoice with you tonight. If you haven't, you should come repent tonight. You should be baptized tonight. You should receive the Holy Ghost tonight because God's still pouring it out, and it can belong to you. But then you're not done just because you're saved. Because the Lord is saying, now, now you got that. That's good. That's, that's excellent. But add to your faith. And the first thing he says is virtue. Good morals. The fruit of the Spirit. Add to it. What is it that I'm supposed to add? The first thing that should show up in a Christian life is love. Because God is love. So the Spirit of God should be manifest. You should begin to love people that you once hated. See, everything everything that you, because the works of the flesh are exactly the opposite of all these things that are the fruit of the Spirit. And so people you used to hate, you now love. You should now live with joy in your life, not grief. The third thing it says is peace. You ought, to not have, you ought to have peace in your home, peace in your life. Everywhere you go should be peace. There ought to not be chaos in your life. If everywhere you go is chaos, you need to work on this first thing. You need to be adding to your faith. If there's not peace in your life, add to, add to your faith. Virtue, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Then it goes on to say, now the first thing you're going to add is we're going to add to your faith virtue. Everybody say that with me, add virtue. And then it says, then add to virtue. So there is is a, a distinct direction here, okay? So if you're taking notes, I want you to write Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, 23. Because that's the fruit. So the first thing that you should add. So if you have my text down, I want you to write that. I want you to write that Galatians chapter five, verses twenty-two and twenty-three. These are the things. This is related. These are related scriptures, and so you should be adding to 
Your faith, virtue, that's the first thing. And so these fruit of the Spirit, I believe there's nine of them. So you should add to the fruit. These are the first things that should be showing up in your life. So if you haven't yet got gentleness figured out, if, you're not, if you don't have meekness figured out, if you don't have temperance, if your temper's flaring, you need to have temperance. You got to work on it. It's a fruit. It's the first thing you need to develop in your life. So as a child of God, if you're struggling with cussing everybody out and blowing up and wanting to fight everybody you run into, you need to work on this first step. You need to add to that faith. But pastor, you're saying I'm not saved. I'm not here to argue with you about who's saved and who's not. I believe you're saved at the point you're baptizing, you repent and baptize in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. But the scripture says, add to your faith. Now add to it. And the first thing to add to it is virtue. And that virtue is good morals that comes by the fruit of the Spirit. And so add the fruit of the Spirit into your life. They are that's what should be manifest in your life. You should work toward it. It's not going to show up the first day. Remember what I said about the bud? That's where it starts budding. It begins to grow. You should see yourself doing better. You learn to handle conflict better. You learn to handle problem situations better. You learn to handle hurt better. You learn not to get as discouraged. You learn to be a little more patient than you used to be. You, you learn to be a little more meek than you used to be. You learn to keep your mouth shut when you could open it. And then add to your virtue knowledge. It's the next thing. Work on the fruit of the Spirit. So I know they say knowledge is power, and I believe in knowledge, and that's all good. But the first thing we need to get in place is we need to get the fruit of the Spirit in place. That's the virtue. The next thing we add is we add knowledge. Knowledge is the understanding of information. So we're admonished, admonished to be well-informed and to add knowledge. Here's what the Apostle Paul tells Timothy. Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That only comes through knowledge. What we are dealing with tonight in this Bible lesson that I'm teaching right now, this is knowledge. This is what I'm bringing you tonight. I'm trying to take the word of God and break it down in small bite-sized pieces that an elder that's been in the church for 50 years or a young person that is sitting here on the front tonight, don't we love our young people and glad they're here on Wednesday night. Or a new convert that is here or somebody that's been serving God somewhere in between. We all need knowledge and so you're here. So I try to break it down and make it simple and make it clear and make it clean and allow you to be able to understand it and take it in. What, what are you doing? We are adding to our virtue knowledge. This is what we're doing tonight. We're adding knowledge. We ought to always be in the Word of God, studying and desiring to know more about God. How, Pastor, how do I know more about God? By studying His Word. Well, I've already read it, cover to cover. Wonderful. Read it again. Because every time you read the Word of God, there's going to be more that comes out of it. Every time you study the Word, there's going to be something fresh and new. Every time you hear something taught, you may have heard this taught 
a hundred times, but somewhere through the course of my teaching tonight, something's going to be said that's going to strike a chord. You're going to say, yeah, I haven't heard that, but that just spoke to my heart. That just spoke to my life. Or it may be something, you know what, I heard that taught, but it's been a while and I needed to hear that again because I have forgotten about it and I need to apply it to my life. That's how the Word of God works. And so we add to faith knowledge. And that's the understanding of information. So add knowledge. Hosea chapter 4 says my people are destroyed. Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That will destroy you. You know what comes by lack of knowledge and because of lack of knowledge? All sorts of strange doctrines. All sorts of, 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 sorts of strange ideas. I believe in the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. But you ought to be able to check and try every one of those to see if they be of God. Because if they're not in alignment with the Word of God, I don't care who it is that stands in the pulpit and says, Thus saith the Word of the Lord. The Bible says in the end time, people are going to say, Thus saith the Word of the Lord, when God has not even spoken. So those things are going to happen. And so when people say, Well, God spoke to me. Did He? Is it in alignment with the Word of God? How do you know that? By gaining knowledge, by Bible study, by being faithful. Let me tell you how good churches are built. We, I love the celebration services. I love Sunday services. Sunday morning, I usually try to preach evangelistic, try to minister to the congregation while at the same time reaching to the new person that walks in the door of the building giving an altar call, trying to draw them in. Most of our guests are here on Sunday morning, and so I try to reach to guests and find them Sunday night. When we have Sunday night service, I often try to just preach vision and, and what God's try, where God's trying to take the church. And the, it's, it's more, somebody said it right the other day, they said our Sunday night is more the power service. It's where we get the power to be able to live and, and, and go forward. And so it's a whole different approach. I preach a lot of vision and, and, and direction and where God is going and a lot of spiritual things on, on, on that. On Wednesday night, we come in and we, we add to our faith. I try to get down to the basics and we teach. We teach some of the basic principles, some of the growth principles. How do we get from where we are to where we're going? It's Bible study. Everybody say Bible study. We take many different approaches to it, but Bible study is important. As a matter of fact, let me go ahead and break it down to you. Thank you for being here tonight because I believe that our Wednesday night Bible study is the most important moment of growth for the church. Good churches are not built on a Sunday shout. They're built on a Wednesday Bible study or a Monday Bible study or a Thursday Bible study. It's built in the Word of God. And so we've got to add to our faith knowledge because people are destroyed by lack of knowledge. Somebody says, well, I'm saved, sanctified, set free. Now they start all sorts of things. I had somebody a while back begin to tell me all the things God's saying to them, and it was all so unbiblical and so inaccurate. And I'm trying to balance that by saying, hang on, slow down, get your life back in balance, because God can't be saying that because His Word has already declared the end from the beginning. There is not going to be anything that God speaks that is out of alignment with the Word of God, or it's not God speaking. 
So a basic ignorance of these precious truths will cause one to live a defeated life. It's a life without growth. So add to your faith knowledge. So every child of God, not just those in ministry, not just those pursuing the work of the Lord, every child of God. What I'm teaching tonight is not just for ministry. It's not just for those that want to be a teacher. Not for those that, just for those that want to want to work in a specific area of ministry. This is all of us. Add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. And then it says add to your faith temperance. The word temperance simply means moderation, self-discipline, not given to, to excess, or the control, self-control. So add to your knowledge. So first, it's virtue. It's all the fruit of the Spirit. Temperance is actually in there, in the fruit of the Spirit. But it covers it specifically in this text it brings it out individually as a point of what we're to add to our faith. And so therefore, it, it's, it's doubly covered here. Not only the Apostle Paul and the Apostle, Pe- and the Apostle Peter both deal with the issue of temperance. That's moderation, self-discipline, not given to excess, self-control. So in all areas of our life, This is a huge reason for us to fast. Now, I know people often, they say, well, I'm fasting for this purpose and this reason and that reason. Often fasting sets us in a position where we're willing to accept the will of God. It positions us individually. It breaks down the desires of our flesh, helps us get a hold of ourselves, get control of ourselves, get self-control pulled back in, humble ourselves before the Lord, and develop temperance in our life. Fasting is a great way to develop temperance in your life. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 5, let your moderation... Be known unto all men. What does that mean? That means people should see you live in moderation. The Bible gives specific direction to ministry. And it speaks not given to excess. Same idea. Same same teaching. It's dealing with temperance. It's one of the most powerful and most readily taught pieces of direction in the New Testament for the New Testament believer. Temperance. So temperance, moderation, helps us live a balanced life. So therefore, one should not become so spiritual, so spiritually minded that they're no earthly good. But we usually don't have to worry about that too much. Most people are so carnally minded, and the Bible specifically says to be carnally minded is death. So we have to balance this. This is what temperance is. Everybody say balance. Wake up your neighbor and say balance. All right. Balance, it's temperance. Temperance protects us from self-destruction. 
See, we blame everybody else. We blame the devil on it. You know, it must be the old devil. He's just fighting me. No, it's self. Devil's been after me all week. No, that's just your flesh. Devil made me say that. Nope, that's just your flesh. You need temperance. So temperance protects us from self-destruction due to extreme lifestyles. This is what the idea of temperance is. So not given to areas of extremism. So I don't want to be an extremist. If I'm going to be an extremist anywhere, I want it to be an ex- I want to be extremely sold out to God. But the Bible gives us opportunity to be able to live in this life. He came to give us life and more abundantly. So but the same the same Bible tells us not to fall in love with the world. We're in the world but not of the world. So again, it's, it's just a thread. I'm, I'm on to a thread tonight here of many, many different scriptures by many infallible proofs. The scripture is speaking to us about not developing extremes in our life. So the lack of temperance will lead to ruin in the life of a believer. We may blame it on others, but it's a lack of self-discipline, temperance. The fourth thing I want to point to you is then you're to add to temperance. We add to temperance patience. Oh, somebody said, well, I'm praying for patience. Get ready for a trial then. How many of you know that's true? Every time you ask God for patience, the Lord puts you through a trial. And so then you're struggling through a trial and going, God, why am I not? God, hurry up and get me through this. The Lord is saying, you ask for patience. You want me to rush through patience? You can't rush through the lesson of patience. The Lord's working patience in you. God, I need you to hurry up and get me out of this mess. And the Lord's saying, I'm letting patience have her perfect work. I'm developing it in you. You're going to be better for it. And we pray for God's timing to speed things up. We need to pray that God will allow us to develop patience so that God can work into our life. There are six synonyms of patience that I want to share with you. One is endurance, which is, all of these are taught all through the Scripture. And I could pull Scripture after Scripture for each of these ideas of patience. So what we're teaching tonight is a very core Bible study that has many, many different Scriptures we could go to. And if I had time, I could break this down and take three or four weeks on this, but giving you all the Scriptural references that go with each one, but I know you're a smart group of people, and you'll get this. So there's six synonyms to patience. The first is endurance, enduring to the end, patience. He that endureth to the end shall be saved. So patience is one of those. So I've got to do more than just have faith and just believe in God. I've got to add I've got to add all of these things, and I'm adding patience, endurance. I'm going to be able to endure sound doctrine. Why in the world do we have to endure? Sound doctrine must be endured. Anybody with me tonight? Sound doctrine doesn't come easy because sound doctrine will make you go home and feel like your, your shoes have been scuffed up because pastor's been stepping on your toes all night. 
That's what sound doctrine will do. Sound doctrine, good sound teaching. It'll reprove us. It'll rebuke us. It will change us. And so we have to endure sound doctrine. We have to endure hardness, the Bible says. So there's all sorts of areas of endurance. He that endureth to the end shall be saved. So patience is so very important. The second word is tolerance. That's not necessarily talking about tolerating sin. I believe, he, I believe the word tolerance is more tolerating others that may not be where we are. So what I'm trying to teach you tonight is that not everybody in this room, there is none of us, that, <laughs> pardon me, there's none of us at the same place in our spiritual development. I look here tonight and see one of our founding members, Sister Fishback is here tonight, one of the founding members of this church from 1965. Give her a great big hand tonight. She should come up here and teach this lesson on endurance because she's still enduring. And she's endured a lot of things. She's endured people. She's endured all sorts of issues in life, but she's endured. And she's still enduring. And the Bible says tolerance. I'm guessing she can also give us a, less, a lesson on tolerance because through a long life of, of serving God. Not everybody, uh, not, not everybody in this room is going to be where Sister Fishback is. She's had experiences in life. Some of these young people, they would have no clue if Sister Fishback started talking about some of the things she's been through, some of the struggles and the troubles. She's learned. She's learned to tolerate some things. She didn't allow it to cause her to backslide and quit, get mad and get offended. Some of those things came from without, but some of the hurts probably came from within. Some may have happened from the world. Some may have happened in the church. She's endured some of my long sermons. She's endured some of my teaching and preaching. You've got to endure some things. You've got to tolerate. Also, you've got to tolerate some things. You may not appreciate everything that happens. You know what you've got to do? You've got to learn to tolerate one another. Not everybody in this room is at the same point and same place in your Christian development. We've got to tolerate one another. We've got to live with tolerance. I'm giving time for them and their development. I may be here, but the rest of the world doesn't have to be where I am. I'm where God wants me to be. I'm developing. I'm growing. I'm adding to my faith. The third word is the ability to bear trials without murmuring. It's another synonym of patience. The ability to bear trials without murmuring. Patience. The fourth is not easily made angry. Uh-oh. Not easily made angry. Patience. The fifth word, the, sixth synonym, uh, the fifth synonym is not hasty. Patience. I'm not being hasty. Don't get in a hurry. Don't try to rush God. Don't try to rush everything. Don't get, don't, don't get in a hurry. Allow patience to work in your life. The fourth thing is enduring with calmness. So it's more than just enduring, but it's enduring with calmness. James chapter 1. Here's, a, here's another scripture that kind of brings this to, to light. My brethren, 
Count it all joy when you fall into divers or diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. See, add to your faith patience. And the trying of your faith brings about patience. You see that weave all through the scripture on the subject. So patience is a quality of God. Patience is long-suffering. So God expects his children to display to display this divine attribute called patience. Many children of God lose out on many blessings because they're impatient. They quit. They rush God. They get ahead of God. So patience is important for fruitfulness. you got to be patient. You plant that garden, you don't go out and that corn pops up and begins to grow and gets about 10 inches tall and you're like, look at that thing grow. I'm going to just go pluck that, pluck up that 10-inch stalk and I'm going to take it in and I'm going to cook me some corn. Indeed you are. But it probably won't taste very good. you got to have patience. That ear grows, that tassel forms. Oh, I'm going to get out there and pluck it early. You're missing out on the sweetness. You got to let it, you got to have patience. You got to let it form and work. Number five, add to your patience godliness. Everybody say godliness. Add godliness. I'll try to hurry. I see you're getting weary. I am too. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Add to your faith, add to your patience godliness. That word godliness means God likeness. How many of you are like God? Thank you. First step, you're doing good. You're not lying in here tonight. So what does, how in the world do we add godliness, God likeness? It means that we begin to strive to live a life that is formed into his image. Are any of us going to ever be perfect like God? Probably not, but we strive for that. We strive for godliness. This is why, don't give up, don't give out on this because none of us, none of us are going to stand before God perfect. We will stand before God and depend on His grace and His mercy. We must be covered by His blood. I was talking to somebody this week and I was talking about He's coming for a bride without spot or blemish. We are all in trouble. Because if you think you're going to be perfect and stand before God without a spot, a blemish, or a wrinkle, you will end up lost. The only way that's going to work is that He looks at you, you through the blood and through grace and He says, I washed you in my blood. And so instead of seeing the mark, instead of seeing the wrinkle, instead of seeing the fault, instead of seeing the failure, He sees us through the blood. And by grace and mercy, we will be saved. We are saved by grace through, we're saved by faith through grace. We're saved by grace through faith. So God-likeness. This word godliness, God-likeness, also means holiness. Holiness. It's where we get the teachings of holiness. I've been talking about that. Some of the basics of holiness. Holiness is not just guidelines. It is God-likeness. We can come from many different angles, and I hope that we will over the next few weeks and next few months 
as we're talking along these lines of some of the basic doctrines of the church. Holiness. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's God-likeness. It's attitude. It's spirit. It's actions. It's the way we carry ourselves, the way we present ourselves. Godliness. The word godliness also could mean righteousness, which being interpreted into modern vernacular would be right living. Righteousness, right living. It's just living right. Godliness is living right. Godlikeness, right, righteous, holy, Godlikeness. Our holiness will never compare to God's holiness. As a matter of fact, the scripture said that our, our righteousness compared to God's holiness would be like filthy rags. It would be like trash that should be thrown away, dirty rags. So when I think, oh, look at me, look what I am. Look at me, I have arrived. I'm perfect. I am living without spot or without wrinkle. And the Lord says, come here to me. I'm going to wad you up and throw you in the trash because your righteousness in comparison to God is nothing but trash. It's filthy rags. So godliness is is righteousness or right living. David said, who is likened to the Lord our God? Who dwelleth upon on high, who humbled himself to behold the things or to look at the things that are in heaven and earth. God humbled himself to even look at them. Why do we think we're something? Why do we think we're so great? But yet we strive for godliness because the word of God said, add to faith godliness. That sounds like it's a work that none of us, whether you're 9, 19, 29, or 92, it doesn't matter. We're all striving to be more like God. That is the development process. Because only God truly is holy. Yet in a real way, we live our life striving for holiness or godliness. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. That means, that means we, we, can't, we, we must be content in what God is working into our life. May not always feel good, may not always make us proud, but God is working something into our life. So godliness reveals the nature of faith that the person has. So when somebody says, oh, I have faith, I believed on the Lord, and I've been saved, wonderful. I want to see that live out in your life. Brother Danny often tells a humorous story about being on a job, and the guy was just cussing every other word. He found out Danny was a minister. And without even thinking, the guy let out a whole list of explicits and said, Oh man, God is just, and lets out a whole list of cuss words and trying to describe God. Danny dodged out of the way to make sure the fire didn't fall from heaven and consume him. The guy has no concept of what godliness is. He's just heard somebody talk about it. He's missing the whole point. And then he begins to describe himself as a believer. But you've got to do more than just be a believer. You've got to do more than just have faith. Those elements ought to be worked out of your life as we strive toward godliness. 
True godliness means a hunger for God, a hunger for the things of God. So it's not enough to just have faith in Christ without living a godly life. The next word is add brotherly kindness. That simply means caring one for another. That ought to be in the church. That ought to be among us. I love it when I see our church come together. The last time that we had families in need, and I mentioned to the church we have families in need, and we're just going to, if you want to come next week and you want to leave some canned goods, we could hardly, we had no place for it. We had to bring crews in just to reconfigure the kitchen to be able to handle because the church said, ain't nobody in this church going to go hungry. You came through with brotherly kindness, began to care for one another. I can ask the church, we have a family in need, we need to receive a special offering. And the church gives and the church is there. We have families go through trial, go through difficulty, have surgeries, deal with death and dinners and, and, and people are checking on them and seeing about them and making sure. You know what that shows me? That shows me a church that is maturing in Christ. That's brotherly kindness. The Bible tells us caring for one another, caring for their brother or their sister in need. Psalm 133 verse 1, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. There ought to be unity when we are together, not division. Brotherly kindness. 1 John chapter 4 says if a man says he loves God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For if he loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hasn't seen? The scripture is pretty emphatic that brotherly kindness toward one another. So it's a sad condition in the body of Christ when people lack brotherly kindness. It leads to strife and bitterness and contention. The word of God says that anybody that hates his brother is like a murderer and doesn't have eternal life. I've got to wrap this up and close. Add to brotherly kindness, charity. That word simply means love. Kindness, goodwill toward men. Liberal, being liberal to the poor. Leniency in judging others. Those are all synonyms of charity. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you can speak in tongues, though we speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity. I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all the mysteries and all knowledge. And I have all faith so that I could remove mountains. But if I don't have charity, I'm nothing. That's what the Apostle Paul says. That's why it's so important to keep adding to. So add charity. He goes on, if I bestow all my goods. So he just keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. Charity never faileth. There's a whole chapter that deals with charity. Write it down. Go read it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. It's just full of what charity does and what it pushes, pushes us to do. So love is the most important quality that a believer is expected to display in the practice in a Christian life. So the Word of God says that even great spiritual gifts, even great spiritual gifts, Without true charity is worthless to a child of God. So all professions of faith without love is meaningless and will count for nothing in the end 
except we have charity. I'm done. Give them some hoaxes to share. So God is impressing us tonight through his word that wherever you are in your stage of growth and development in Christ, whether you, wherever you are in your Christian walk, you should be adding to your faith, growing, developing. See yourself. Where are you as a tree? Do you have leaves yet? Do you have blossoms? Do you have fruit? Maybe in some of the things we've talked about tonight, maybe you have great development and growth, and in other areas you still need to work. The best way that you can cause that tree to bring forth fruit is to allow there to be a pruning. The pruning is not the fun time. That's the hard work that doesn't seem to be meriting much. But when you take that tree in the fall season and the winter season, and you go and cut off, prune that tree, cut that tree back, when the springtime comes, that fruit comes out. It's larger. It grows better. It's healthier. It stays on the tree better. It produces better. But it must endure that pruning. That's what God is wanting to do in your life. Look at your life, the things we've talked about tonight. Don't just walk out of the building tonight and say, well, Pastor taught another long, long lesson. But walk out tonight and say, I, I heard some things. I heard the Word of God speak to me. And it said to me, I need to work on that. I need to work on temperance. I need to work on patience. I need to work on godliness. I need to add to my faith. I need to do more than just believe. I need to put actions to it. Walk out of here tonight and let this word be in your spirit and begin to develop you and grow you and cause you to become.